we were packing up the vans and about to leave Ichmul. We'd just been there for a mission trip, and we were about to get in the vans to go back to the Cancun airport and fly back to the States. And I was getting in the van with one of my other leaders. I was a youth pastor, and we were wrapping up a, a mission trip. And as I was getting into the van, Laura asked me to ride with Mauricio, uh, her husband. Mauricio is a fantastic and dynamic um, friend and pastor and has some great ministry with the Mayan Indians. And so when she asked if I would ride with her husband, uh, shotgun in his van, I was very excited about it because anytime you talk with Mauricio, you are going to be energized in your faith. Well, on that ride home or on that ride to the airport, um, he immediately began asking questions about what God was up to in my life. Uh, he sensed something was up that week and like a good friend was pursuing it. Um, and I told him that we were on the verge of making some changes, that I loved the church family that my family and I were a part of, um, loved the people there. But there was a sense that God was calling me out of student ministry. I was losing my fruitfulness. I was losing my, I guess you could call it passion for student ministry. I was having more and more difficult time relating to the students. Um, and he was just challenging me to boldly take the next step of faith. The next step of faith for my family and I was to leave my current ministry position, the people that I loved, the church that I loved. And we didn't know what the next thing was beyond that. And so he said that it was an opportunity for us to walk by faith, to do something different, to completely rely on God in ways that maybe we never have before. Definitely in an intensity of way that we never had before. So he was asking what are the things that are standing in our way. Uh, one was we just not too long ago had purchased a house uh, where we were living, lived on a street that we loved, we're getting to know our neighbors, and I wasn't sure what was going to come of that, how difficult it would be to sell the house. And he basically said, if God is calling you to do this, if he's inviting you into a new situation, then none of those things matter. Put the house on the market and God will cover it. God will take care of it. And he said many other things during that conversation that really emboldened me and encouraged me to take this next step of faith that I was really afraid to take. So I was on a plane on the way home, really excited, really energized, felt Mauricio's support and love and admonishment and my wife wasn't having the same type of experience or feelings. So this is my wife, Kara, who's about to speak. My name is Greg. And Kara, where were you in this pivotal moment of our, our life? I was visiting my parents in North Carolina. They live on an incredible lake and they have a pool in their backyard. And anytime the girls and I would have the privilege of going to be with them, it's just such a relaxing and beautiful environment. And most of my mornings at my parents' house are very relaxing. I like to get up and 
early and make a cup of coffee and go out on the dock and look at the water and listen to the birds and just enjoy the beauty that is North Carolina. And we were there visiting for about seven days. And one of those mornings, I was not doing okay. I woke up really, really early and I felt like I had an anvil sitting on my chest. I had never felt such incredible fear, anxiety. I woke up with my heart racing really fast and it was a, it, I was having a panic attack and it was really scary. When we had started this process a couple months earlier, I really was fine at first, but the further we got down the road, looking at all of these things, the logistics of what we were about to undertake felt like they were crushing me. The house, um, transitioning our children into a totally different school district, my husband, not working for a couple of years to be able to focus full-time on going into seminary. We were at, you know, ages that it didn't really feel wise. And some people were like, I don't know if what you're doing is such a great idea. My husband was pushing 40 at the time. I was in my mid-30s and we were established in the community that we were living in everything felt secure and there was a, a question that nagged in my mind and it stayed with me for several years and it, it would run through my head all the time and it was this will we ever recover from this yeah and i had some insecurities too at this time <laughs> i was uh nervous about a lot of things um, academically, I was, I don't, was I, I don't know if I was accepted into the seminary at that point yet or not. No, I was not. Um, Kara's shaking her head no. But I had some insecurities about academics. I wasn't a great student. I, I've never been a great student. I was always uh, sidetracked with other things that I thought were more interesting, mainly basketball. Um, I wasn't disciplined in getting to classes when I was in college. I didn't put hardly any effort forth. And I remember in high school, and I hope none of my high school teachers are listening to this, probably not. Um, I don't think I ever did any homework ever in high school, which is pitiful. Uh, so I wasn't a good student. So I had worries. I, was, I didn't know if I was smart enough to to do seminary. Um, I didn't know if I would flunk out after a few classes. Um, I didn't know if I knew how to study. I, I remember reading a book on how do you study for college. I mean, I was, I was very nervous about this. And actually the first, I think, semester, they agreed to accept me as a student at the seminary and they've been awesome. I, I, you'll hear about the seminary maybe later. I love these people. Um, but they took a chance on me and accepted me. And I think it was the first two semesters. The first five classes. First five classes I was on academic probation. So I just didn't know if I was good enough, if I had what it took. And I was also worried that I was putting my family in jeopardy. Like I was coming up to 40 pretty quickly. Uh, we were established. We had a, I had a secure job um, at the church where I was working. And we had 
friends and we were, I was basically uprooting them from the school system, from our neighbors, from the acquaintances and friends that we had in that area and moving. Um, but something that, again, Mauricio said that stood out to Kara and I both uh, was that the church needs more people who are not just talking about faith, but actually living it in front of people. Now, that isn't a criticism or a critique against anyone. There's a lot of pastors, there's a lot of people that are speaking about faith and are living it. It's just that I'm not sure that Kara and I were really living by faith up to that point. This isn't a critique on anyone else except for us, mm -hmm. because I was able to talk about faith. I was able to teach about faith, but Mauricio really challenged me. Why don't you actually put your money where your mouth is and live it? If God is urging, compelling, challenging, inviting you to step into something new, and you really sense this is from him in every way that you can test that type of thing, then why don't you just do it and let him pick up the pieces as you go? So that was, I think, one of the statements that our friends, you know, one of our dear friends, one of my dear friends said to me that really challenged me to, to live this out because we were hearing other voices that were beginning to make us think that this, maybe this isn't wise, maybe this is a bad idea. I mean, people were rehearsing all the things that could go wrong as we made this decision and I was beginning to feel like, man, is this just being reckless and crazy? Is this a really bad idea? Am I putting my family in jeopardy? Am I uprooting them for no good reason? Am I even gonna be able to survive seminary? Well, I did, I have, he is caring for us. And I, I think what Kara and I wanna, the point that we wanna make in this first little podcast is First of all, just for you to see that God's way of expanding and intensifying our faith in him is to put us in situations and circumstances in which we feel completely and utterly out of control. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're never truly and completely in control anyways, but he puts us in circumstances where it, that becomes very, very apparent but the second thing that we want you to see in this podcast is that he is and was faithful. He did care for us in surprising ways, in unexpected ways. So just briefly, Kara, let's just riff on what are some of the ways that we saw God caring for us during this time? Well, as we were embarking on this journey we were getting we were getting really stripped down just because that's what we had to do we got rid of stuff and life became a lot more simple and it didn't feel like a gift at the time but god really exposed some idols in my life and over the next few years just really, really began to show himself strong for me in different areas where I had never really felt like I needed to trust or have faith in him. Some of the really beautiful gifts that came out of this time too though was that the four of us as Greg, Kara, and the girls, we got 
really, really tight. And we got all on the same page. And because when, when Greg was on staff, you know, at the big church, there's just a lot of responsibility and hours and spheres of responsibility and, you know, big ministry that happens. And it was such a blessing to be a part of that. But your family just takes a hit in some of these areas. And that's okay. That's what God, you know, called us to do. But, you know, he would travel and, you know, be really tired when he would get home. And our kids were still relatively little. So there were just a lot of decisions that I made and didn't, you know, because I didn't want to burden him with that. I think any woman who has a husband that is busy or that travels knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and again, these are, these are self-inflicted wounds. These, this isn't the, this wasn't the church's fault. This wasn't anyone that was leading me's fault. They, they had no intention whatsoever um, and probably would have been uh, scolding me if they knew that I wasn't spending as much time with the family as I should have been. This was a self-inflicted wound that I was just trying to do too much in a lot of ways. And we've talked before at our, our church that I am... <laughs> some people have a very large capacity to do a lot of different things, to spin a lot of plates. We call those big platter people. They can fit a lot of food on their platter. And then we there's people that are like little dessert plates, and they can fit one little cookie on their plate. And that's me. So I have friends at the church that could handle a lot of things. I can't do a lot of things like that. I have to do a handful of things really, really well. So I think part of it, I was just trying to do too much. But to your point, what I realized when I kind of re-engaged wholeheartedly with the family was that Kara was carrying way too much of that weight by herself. I wasn't helping with some of the pretty serious decisions that needed to be made for us as a family. I wasn't involved in disciplining the girls as much as I should have been. Too much was falling on Kara's plate. So yeah, that was that was definitely one of the advantages that we have is that we just grew to love one another and I re-engaged um, as kind of leading the family again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another gift that came out of this time was... Um, our friendship grew and Greg and I you know got married because we were best friends uh, we we didn't start dating and then realize how much we liked each other it was kind of the other way around for us um, we were we were besties he was my person and that is why I married him but our friendship had taken a little bit of a hit over the years as well and then all of a sudden he was around all the time and I was working night shifts so I would sleep a little bit and then we would just be you know kind of bopping around and we're both in school at the time we started taking walks together when the weather permitted almost on a daily basis and just really began to reconnect and not that we didn't like each other but we kind of just remembered why we liked each other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I forget which, I think it was probably Dallas Willard that said this originally, um, that you can't create intimacy, but you can create space for intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's what those walks did for us. Mm-hmm. We would be outside and we would go on a long trail 
Um, and in those conversations, you know, at first there were crickets a little bit. I think we didn't really uh, talk a, a lot. We had a lot of repairing to do in our marriage. It's not like we were unhealthy, but we just didn't really know how to talk to one another at a deep level. And But the more that we just kept creating space for intimacy on those walks, the more we, the deeper the conversation went. Uh, we started talking about more important things. We we started talking about our lives instead of just managing the day-to-day. We started praying together, and that was a real gift for us. I I think you're right. That was one of the great great gifts that God gave us, um, one of the great corrections that he made in that that season Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. God also provided what we needed. And it was pretty incredible that over a two, almost three year period, that there were just things that did not wear out. And I don't know about you guys, but that didn't feel super normal. It felt like a supernatural blessing. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the the Israelites in the wilderness. Their sandals did not wear out. Yes, every, our stuff didn't wear out. And Another really cool thing. Yeah, and no major car expenses no, during that time. No, no trips to the emergency room. Um, it, it, it was it was incredible, and it was. it was such a gift. And money was was really tight, and we knew that it would be, and we were okay with that. But there were many occasions where money would just arrive, and. It was, it would just, it would make me burst into tears because it would always come at the, at the perfect time to be able to provide something that we never would have been able to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, like our kids being able to do swim team and they're, they're huge swimmers now and that wouldn't have happened without someone's generosity. I, I, I literally could fill up the rest of this podcast talking about the generosity that God prompted in other people. And we're still doing this today, but we clean dentist offices on the weekend. And it sounds so random, but we love it. Now, when we first started it, I felt super sorry for myself because I was, you know, scrubbing toilets to make extra money. But those cleaning jobs not only have been obviously a blessing of income, but it is space on the weekends where as a family, you know, we're cleaning and, but I get to listen to, to podcasts or have space to pray. It is, it is incredible to look back week after week after week to see that that is a space where God and I routinely will meet to do business. Yeah. And it's, it's also therapeutic, like in pastoral ministry, you often don't get to see the end result. And it's just nice going into a room, it needs to be cleaned, leaving it, it's cleaned and it's finished. So the other thing with, with that is we're, you know, we probably could get away with not cleaning dentist offices still, but we've, we've held on to it um, just because I think it's good for us to have something other than church ministry to rely on financially and it's also good for our daughters to see in fact we're training our daughters how to work 
and how to show up, how to do things, how to clean even when you don't feel like cleaning, which is a good lesson for me too. But we're teaching them things like attention to detail. How do you manage your money well? So those cleaning businesses and those dentist offices have blessed us in so many ways. Um, so those are some of the things that uh, the ways that we saw God caring for us during this time. But what are some of the good things that came out of this trial? What are some of the areas that we grew? Well, I think that the first thing is we would have never planted a church. Because when you're, and I think I probably would have because I'm a little bit, I lean towards adventure and risk just because of my personality. But Kara is much more calculated and is a little bit more averse to risk. But so I think if we would have jumped right from full-time pastoral ministry in a large established church, if I, I think if I would have said to her, we're going to go plant a church, I think I actually did say that. And I said no. And she said no, because there's a lot of risk involved. But after a couple years of me <laughs> being a full-time student, us cleaning dentist offices and us seeing how God is providing and caring for us in spite of a, a kind of a weird circumstance. You know, we both had this mentality that we've been through uncertainty before mm -hmm. and we both have seen how God continues to care for us even in times where we're not sure what, how we're going to be um, managing a month from today because we're just not sure where the money is coming from. And God over and over and over came through in sometimes supernatural ways through other people, like Kara said, and through circumstances that by the time we got to the conversation again of planting a church, um, we our faith in God had expanded to the degree that we were comfortable with giving it a shot. Is that right? Yeah, and I'll just say this. While planting a church is a huge undertaking, I was excited to say yes just a few years later because mm -hmm. God had done so much work in me on being okay with uncertainty, with being okay with not having a five-year plan, um, and to be able to take steps of faith without knowing what the outcomes would be. Right. Right, absolutely. Without knowing the outcomes, that's that's key. You know, and there are some other practical um, good things that came out of this. We, Kara specifically, had a list. She she had prayer cards, things that she was praying for. And there's something that happens to your faith when you begin to see how specifically God allows you to pray, and then you begin to see how specifically He answers those prayers. So um, big things and little things, Kara was praying uh, across the spectrum about things for our life. And, and she saw over and over again how God answered those prayers. That was another really cool uh, tool. Um, and then seminary, things are going fantastic in seminary. And we are part of another church family now that God is is growing um, and we're meeting new people that are just surrounding our daughters and our family in love and we just love the people who are part of our church and um, we've loved every church that we've been a part of and loved all the families but there's just something particular about being in an adventure a shared adventure with a group of people who were with you from the beginning of it so all that's been really cool and i think to wrap this up 
Kara, how would you encourage people who may be going through some type of faith-expanding circumstance? Maybe God's not calling them to start over when they're 40, but they're going through something that's just causing them to have to depend more wholeheartedly upon God. How would you encourage them? I would wholeheartedly encourage you to anchor yourself in a text. Find a passage of scripture that speaks to your circumstances and causes you to reorient your thoughts, your attentions, your affections on Jesus and what he says is true. So many times when we feel like we're spiraling, Tim Keller has this line and he says, you have to reorder the loves of your heart. And when you start to call your thoughts and your fears and your anxieties and you call those into alignment with what God says is true, guess what? You're going to start to feel better <laughs> real quick. Mm-hmm. And you hold, you hold on to those promises with all of your strength. And you, you read them over and over and over again. I sat in Matthew 7 for a year i would read it all the time oh you of little faith don't you know that i know what you need and i would just say okay god this is what we need this is what we need and sometimes it was just to feel god's presence and to feel his love and just his encouragement and just day by day moment by moment he gives us what we need when we ask him for strength So if you're curious about what Matthew 7 is, we're not going to tell you because one of my professors said that the mark of a good professor, uh, a mark of a good seminary professor is that when you leave the class, you can't wait to dig into a text that he talked about. So we're going to let you figure out uh, how Matthew 7 was comforting to Kara after this podcast. And I guess I would say the same thing. Um, Get into a rhythm of reading scripture. We've had a a Skype mentor uh, from the West Coast who has been uh, just really helping us learn how to be ballasted in scripture is the, is the way that he says it. And so uh, two or three years ago, um, I started a rhythm that he that I learned from him, that he, I think, learned from his, his mentor, is to read the same psalm, uh, over and over every day for a week and just sit in it and marinate in it and then read slowly through one of the gospels like four to six verses at a time and that's been my morning rhythm for a while and the beautiful thing about the psalms is that they give you a broader vocabulary for prayer they expand your prayer they give you more permission to pray honestly because the prayers in psalms are utterly honest and so um Anchor yourself in a text and get in a regular rhythm of exposing yourself to Scripture and reflecting on Scripture slowly, deeply, marinating in it, and it'll become a part of you. And those things will enable you to handle whatever situation that God allows into your life. Scripture will be the thing that you hang on to for dear life. 
Okay, you guys, this was this was fun. This is our first one. How do you think we did, Kara? Time will tell. This is off the script, so we have a little script in front of us, and this part's unscripted. So anyways, we love you guys. Um, thanks looking, for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be doing this again soon, and we'll talk to you later.